Thank you, snowboarding. Thank you, snowboarding. Thank you, snowboarding. Thank you, snowboarding. snowboarding. Hey friends, welcome back to Thank You Snowboarding in association with the Snowboard Asylum. This is the podcast that dives into UK snow culture to find out how we've got from the early pioneers to the current world champion. This week, very, very happy to have Melanie Leando joining us. So I'm sure you are all aware of the name Melanie Leando. She, along with Leslie McKenna, certainly blazed a trail in British snowboarders entering world competitions, really. I know they weren't the first to do World Cups and all that kind of stuff, but they, between them, they certainly put in the miles and made it look more professional. And obviously, Leslie went on to coach for Team GB or whatever it is she did. And we're going to find out more about that when we interview Leslie sometime soon. But back to Melanie. Melanie had a kind of style about her. She wasn't a kind of grungy snowboarder. She had a touch of kind of style about her that was slightly different. And we used to be neighbours in Borg saint Maurice when she was on the competition circuit. She was living in based out of Borg saint Maurice, and that was where I had my chalet company. So we did used to hang out occasionally, but not really on the mountain. And that was always something that I couldn't really understand. Um, how snowboarding was a job for her and it was more of a lifestyle for me. So we get to sort of talk about that a little bit and just what snowboarding means to her now, it would seem that she still is very much in love with snowboarding, maybe more so now than ever because it's not a job anymore and, you know, life has changed. She talks a bit about horse riding, which she also loves doing. So it's a really interesting chat. So I hope you can stick around with me and Melanie for about the next hour. And I'll be back at the end to tell you about some other stuff that's going on. All right. This is Melanie Leando. What attracted you into snowboarding in the first place? Like you from Jersey? Yeah. How did you find in the, on, an, on an island in the middle of the English Channel, how did you find snowboarding? That's weird, isn't it? That is a it's a good question. I mean, that's a niche so, within a niche, isn't it? Like it seems so. Um, so I actually um, I, w- I was studying, and I convinced my mother that I needed to take a year out to go and travel a little bit. Um, and to um, mature, my work would be better, et cetera, et cetera. I came up with this whole, that's why I'm in marketing, I suppose now, this whole whole uh, reasoning behind why I needed to ditch school and, and go off traveling. And I knew a guy called Kerry Manning. I don't know if you ever came across him. He used to be sponsored by Burton. He would have been one of the really, I guess, the first guys um, to be sponsored uh, or on the Burton UK team. And he surfed in Jersey and I I used to live near the beach and I did a bit of, I spent a bit of time in the water. Surfing was never really my thing. The, the tides and the sea in Jersey are quite um, treacherous. And I think as, as a teenager, I got caught out a few times, as you do um, when you're out on your boogie board. Um and yeah, I d- didn't love it to be honest. My brother is a is is a bit of a water baby, but I'm not. So anyway, um, 
Kerry used to talk about snowboarding and he used to talk about how cool snowboarding was and that I should try it. And I was looking for, um, I guess, a, a place to go uh, to travel and the mountains, I guess, were calling. So I also skied with the school when I was a kid. Absolutely. I, I'd always been a bit of, um, I don't know, I don't know what's PC these days, but I was always a bit kamikaze and a bit, you know, a bit of an adrenaline junkie because I used to ride um, horses and uh, that's my that's my where I spend all my money these days that's my passion um and it kind of is all weirdly is all quite similar going over jumps on horses going over jumps on a mountain bike going over jumps on a snowboard it's all weirdly quite similar in terms of just you know balance body position things like that and anyway yeah so I headed to the mountains wangled myself a job in a chalet um and uh and tried snowboarding actually i what i was with a group of the jersey guys i used to hang out with scott nixon um baz um a, a group of a group of guys who were all a bit older than me um but they'd been i think they'd all been snowboarding before and they used to do seasons um and yeah followed them around they used to leave me if i didn't keep up so I had to learn to ride as fast as I could. I was always like upside down in a tree well and they just left me. <laughs> and that's pretty standard. And that, that was that was the deal. Keep up or or don't bother coming. So we're not waiting for you. Um so I, I got fast quite quickly. But um but yeah, I think taking it taking a step back, um, going on school ski holidays, I think I think that's where I developed a love for and a, you know felt that gravitation to the mountains the mountains are a special place as, as you know yeah. you know for me the mountains are like a very old friend and yeah. they always give you what you need when you need it you can go and I think we've all done this as well you know you can go to the mountains and you can snowboard on your own I'm not recommending everyone does that but, you know, you can go and have a day snowboarding on your own and you are just with you and that friend. Um, and snowboarding allows you to be quiet and, you know, sort of uh, you can spend time within yourself figuring whatever it is that you need to figure out wherever you're going or whatever you're dealing with at the time. Or you can meet up with a group of friends and have the most fun day, you know, a really social day. I loved um meeting up with a group of girls and just we'd go out and you know we'd all have our music playing in our headphones and you know I used to put um music write music lyrics on my board and so I when I was I, I, one of my, <laughs> my favorite ones was um I used to put um Oh God, all sorts, cringeway, Britney, Ian Brown, random stuff. Um <laughs> And sometimes when I needed to focus or, you know, when when things were getting real and the jumps were getting big and I was starting to feel like I was pushing myself to my limit, I would have my lyrics on my board and I would just sing those. And like that would, I guess, be my the sports psychology side of it. No, I no, guess. no, 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 I get it. I um, get it. Um, but yeah, going back to uh, I'm deviating a bit, but going back to you know the social side of it there is nothing more fun than going out with a group of your friends 
no parents, no rules. Um, you're able to move faster than the the you know the the lift instructors, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, sorry, the the lifties and the and the ski instructors. Um, and you're just able to go and play in the mountains. And I mean, that is it's it's a privilege, isn't it? And let's face it, yeah, it sounds bad, you know, sort of to to, to make it or to suggest that it's easy to do and everyone can just nip out and have a great day on the hill with their friends. It, it costs a lot of money and it takes a bit of organising, but I think you can probably achieve that and replicate that here by going to the snow centres. And Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, I, I, I don't know, do they have do they have groups and clubs and stuff like that now? Do, do TSA do things like that? I don't know. I don't, I imagine some of the, maybe the smaller shops, kind of create a scene around themselves and then organize stuff. I don't know um I don't know if the TSA does, but I mean most of the snow domes or whatever you want to call them have you know they'll have a freestyle, they'll have a freestyle night. They probably have a couple of freestyle nights a week, you know. I imagine snowboarding's a big part of their income, so I think yeah. you're probably pretty well catered for and yeah, as you say like get a group of your mates that do it. Or even to get a group of your mates that don't do it and go and book some lessons yeah. or whatever, and you'll have a great. Yeah. I mean, it's a for me, it's a thing. I never used to ride that much on my own. I always liked company, but I know what you mean. Mm. We had a plumber here once when we were renovating our house, and he we got to and it, and he seems to be you always find when people love the mountains somehow it always comes out in conversation. I don't know if you find that, but this plumber was sort of talking about he'd just been in a Voriaz or somewhere. And he said to me, he came out with that thing. He said to me, the mountains always have the answer. And that was like the mm -hmm. phrase that I hadn't known all my life that suddenly made all the sense in the world. Like when yeah. I'm in the mountains, everything feels slightly right. better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, It does. I, like I, I, I don't know how, I, sometimes I'm not, not, very good at articulating myself around emotions and and um you know I was thinking about this when you asked me to do this and I was like okay I, I probably need to think about what I feel about snowboarding and what I feel about the mountains and yeah it is that that feeling of when you drive if you drive to the mountains or if you fly and you get a higher car however you get there as you hit the valley you just feel like you're home and uh, it, it, it's like that for me. And of course, it isn't like that for everyone. But a lot of people, I'm sure it probably will be. Um, and the mountains are pretty imposing, aren't they? But they feel like arms around you. I don't know if you feel that when you get into your favorite valley, it just yeah. feels safe. And yet you think about the mountains and the environment you're in. It is anything but safe, you know, no. in terms of rockfall, avalanche. You, you have to have so much respect for the mountains. But and you're a speck, you know, in in a space that is so epic, but somehow it feels safe. And I don't know. It's I guess if you've had good experiences, maybe it is a personal thing, isn't it? But the mountains, I guess, because you're not surrounded by high rises, by traffic. You know, I I don't know if you remember when you're out, if you ever managed to get out away from the lifts and away from school holidays or whatever yeah 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 well, all the time that, that was that became like the the primary focus do you know what I mean to try and yeah find the places where other it. people weren't but that but that noise of when a, a 
a clump of snow falls off a branch of of, of a tree and that <laughs> yeah. pad just yeah. that i don't know for me that is just that is a blissful sound the the blackbirds and the, the just the quiet it's that big space isn't it where it's just pure and quiet i think that's that offers clarity of mind if you you know if you want to go into a space and be a bit more alone with your thoughts or as he said the mountains always have the answer if you need headspace oh my god the mountains if you get away from the crowds and yeah the mountains are a bit of a sanctuary really I think aren't they it's funny you say that because I was just thinking because you went heavily I want to touch on your sort of competing side because you did sort of you between you and Leslie you certainly broke a lot of ground and I was sort of wondering like you know would Jenny have reached the achievements that she did if you guys hadn't put in like those paving slabs sort of along the way but funny you say about the mountains being a sanctuary and then you sort of turned it into a competitive probably highly stressful situation for yourself so I think for me now they're a sanctuary back then I was totally game and I was like okay where am I going to go with this I was always competitive as a kid it's really different now one of the things snowboarding taught me and I always say this to people and they think it's really weird because I, I was really competitive and I still am quite competitive. But snowboarding taught me that it doesn't matter who you're competing against, who's there, how good they are, what they can do. You can only do what you can do. So you are much better to focus you know, inwardly and focus on perfecting your skills. Because let's face it, most of us, in fact, all of us can do more than we actually manage to do. It's a head game. You think about when we were learning things and learning to go upside down and learning to do more spins. It's It doesn't matter what the person next door is doing. It literally, it's about honing your skills and training yourself and your mind. And that's one of the things... I never forget, I think it was Avoriaz and it would have been late 90s. So you're right, Leslie and I were the first people to really start doing World Cups seriously and get funding and things like that. I guess it was a bit of the right time, right place because Becky and Neil did a little bit early on. Lloyd Rogers did a bit as well. Oh, Um, Lloyd Rogers. Yeah, he was before, he did a little bit of um, like Alpine booting. But we were the first ones really who started World Cup. And Leslie and I met up at the Brits, actually. And she's uber competitive, as you know, as well. And so we got together and we were like, well, if we make a team, we can do it. If we're just individuals, it's just it's too difficult to travel around Europe and travel the world, really, on your own without much support. So we rented a small studio in um Samfoy, Samfoy, um in France and we were like right we can do this and we managed we were lucky I mean as you alluded to before snowboarding when we started was you know a bit more underground it was a bit more edgy a lot of mainstream companies wanted in on the action because it was new it was fresh it was it was something that they could exploit so we you know we were there at the right time so we were able to um gain sponsorship and secure funding to help us travel and interestingly i think it was my results at the world um, the world championships which um secured our lottery funding so obviously we we set that path um 
for uh, you know a pathway i guess um for future you know future talent um and yeah it, it we we did st i think we we started that leslie was quite good because of her background in skiing she knew the system as well so that helped of course yeah and slowly we established that and i mean we were lottery funded for um so we missed out on nagano because we were we'd really just started on the the world cup circuit so we went to nagano for the pre-olympic um contest but we didn't we didn't go to nagano and then park city was where we were sort of we were focused um and you know all of that funding the lottery funding leading up to that um both of us had fairly good results so in terms of just the way that is structured you know if you look like you are you know top i think i i think i had an eighth eighth at the world championships nice. and then i think i think both of us were top five ranked in the, on the world rankings for wow, those I years um yeah i think 2001 i think i was ranked fourth in the world um and I think Leslie had had a couple of podiums as well, World Cup. So, you know, in reality, if the best people were there, everyone was there on the same day, we were never going to win a medal, um, you know. But in contest, you know, as you've seen before, it, it's about, you know, it's not just about how good you are. It's about how well you deal with nerves, what kind of pressures you've got, how yeah. you are on the day. There's all sorts of things, you know, all sorts of factors. So, who, you know, who knew? But anyway, that that certainly helped um, create those pathways for, for future athletes, so I, I'm sure. But it's just the evolution of, of the sport, isn't it? And I love the fact that today we see we've got so many talented athletes I, know, I mean we've right? got so much it's amazing isn't it i mean mia you know obviously um jenny came up after us um and the guys as well and the skiers it's incredible so we, I, i'm so stoked to see that and because <laughs> when when we started on the world cup tour we used to get so much stick about eddie the eagle now you wouldn't even <laughs> You wouldn't even think that. And that's why I love the fact that we have so much talent because that there's nowhere to go with that joke anymore. Um, Do you know what? Do you know what? So this is the third one of these I've done and his name has now come up twice. I didn't realise that that would be a thing. But yeah. Ed mentioned him as well. We used to get, honestly, it was not funny. It's funny now, but it was not funny then. We were like, come on, we're, you know, we are going to be serious athletes and that's not, that's not what we're doing. That's not who we are. And, you know, don't, don't fire us with that brush. And I mean, I never, I never knew him and, and I've watched the movie and it's quite endearing and quite sweet, but yeah, at the time we did not find that funny at no, all. I bet. So, but just, so you, I don't know what happened because you sort of dropped I don't know what happened after sort of your competing. You seem to sort of disappear out of the scene. I mean, obviously, for a while you were living near us in Borg. Yeah, we were neighbours, weren't we? We were kind of neighbours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and then and then you sort of popped up for a little bit. You were trying, maybe going to do a season with your dog, <laughs> and so, you were maybe going to work then... for us. And then and then you sort of disappeared again, and and that's been it until I sort of I think I gave you a shout the other day. So, yeah, so are you are you still snowboarding? Like, what does snowboarding look like to you now? Like, what? How is it? Oh my in god! Life? I could never not snowboard. I will snowboard until I'm 
80 yes until I can't you know until I can't walk around I will snowboard I don't ever imagine giving up snowboarding I mean I think so I snowboard every uh, every season I snowboard I and I I mean I couldn't imagine not going over jumps hitting the little rails and the boxes I mean I still get so much joy from snowboarding and I got married a couple of years ago congratulations and thank you took me a while um <laughs> and I took my other half out to Chamonix um just after COVID and we did a month with the dog um, and I, I taught him to ski and I did a little bit of snowboarding. So I, so I, I ski as well and I learned to telemark. Right. So I, I personally, uh, you know, in terms of sport, I just like learning things. So I, I thought I'm really probably not going to learn any new stuff on, on a snowboard over small jumps and and little stuff maybe but I'm never going to be where I was before um so let's you know let's do something else and and I learned to telemark which is good fun um but so I still snowboard as often as I can um and what does that look like how often is that like so uh, one one week a season I try and go for a couple of a couple of weeks a season if I can go for a month so I can work remotely um if i can go for a month i will um the plan actually is to move back to france that's the ultimate plan so i just oh, really? hope i can get there before i'm too old and creaky to still you know make the most of the mountains but to the alps yeah to the alps somewhere near annecy i would imagine yeah but to be fair i don't think you ever once you snowboard, once you fall in love with snowboarding, I don't think you can ever not snowboard or ski or, you know, be in the mountains because I think it becomes, as I said before, it is that kind of, it's your fun friend um, and they're always there. They never leave you. And the minute you put your board on and you probably felt this, the minute you strap in, you just, it, it, there's a warm, fuzzy feeling. It, it just is a, a special place. I think well it is for me so I don't think I'll ever stop I'd love to snowboard more I do I do sometimes try and create a plan and uh, and and, um figure out how I can manage to get all my life back to you know back to the mountains but yeah as you say life gets in the way doesn't it sometimes so um, but I still I mean I I feel that euphoria when i still snowboard i love it it it's something that yeah i can't even describe it as i said to you before sometimes i'm not very good at articulating my um feelings around around you know around snowboarding and, and yeah those emotive um elements of life i suppose yeah well i guess because um, given that you know sort of from the competitive side and, and how much probably how much stress that brought with you or brought with it yeah, you, do you know what i mean so then like actually find your way back into the fun of it yeah so I quit because I had a head injury um which that sort of stopped me in my tracks a little bit I um I had a really bad concussion and I had um I guess some bleeding on the brain and I I had a lot of migraines for years um, and I suffered they were really debilitating and I suffered a lot with those so generally I didn't have that many injuries if I stacked it it was usually a good one Um, like I didn't have any knee reconstructions or I mean I had arthroscopies and things but I generally didn't 
didn't do that much falling so I clearly wasn't pushing myself enough but uh, if I did fall it was usually a bad a bad fall and it was the it was my crash that I think and my injury that that's why I stepped back a bit I stopped competing half pipe for a bit I started to ride park a bit more um and I did I, I did focus just on myself a little bit I was living in Mammoth and I love Mammoth Mammoth is a great place to live and a great place to snowboard because they've got you know something for everybody they've got parks for everyone it starts teeny tiny and gets massive so whatever you like it's it's there for you um and then I went to Australia actually I moved to Australia I did some seasons in Threadbow that was really interesting um they probably compared to Mammoth it was like the third world wasn't it I imagine well do you know what it's interesting because I think they had they had like epic seasons when I was there more snow than they'd had for many many years so it was weird sort of snowboarding in powder in the gum trees in the eucalyptus it's just weird a beautiful amazing you know massive big kangaroos in the background and quite an unusual experience and very very cool actually I liked it there Um, amazing rail rail parks Um, they do a good job with the space that they've got because obviously it's it's, you know it's the the mountains aren't as big Um, and then I went back to France um, and then Brexit screwed it all up for us didn't it so I don't want to get bogged down in Brexit no (laughs) well we said no politics didn't we yeah not 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 this time um, I didn't yep. know that about your head injury. That's quite serious. Yeah, it was um, It was quite disappointing, actually. But, I mean, everyone got smashed up at some point, didn't they? I mean, that's quite that's kind of part of it at that level, dealing with injuries and rehab and then, you know, coming back to competition. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate, but part part of it and um, when you when you said you had quit a- like did you like was it like right this is it I've done sort of throw your toys um, out the pram or or kind of what no, did that like? not really I mean I I was disappointed so I was lucky that I had access to the British Olympic Medical Centre so I used to go to North Park in London um, and I had access to, to you know to good doctors and consultants um, and basically they said to me if you if you hit your head again um, you're you will should quit you'll have to give up um, so I had to take a bit of time just taking it easy, going steady. I never, I mean, can you imagine the horror of being told you were going to have to give up the sport that you love and that you, you know, you're, you're, you're focused on 100% and, you know, you've got plans for, um, for, you know, for like, I think even when I was young and I started snowboarding in my late teens, I knew snowboarding would be part of my life probably forever so to be told then you have to give up is quite scary so so I just took a I took a step back started riding park and a bit more sort of I started free riding because being I guess on the competition circuit we rarely got to free ride I mean we didn't ride powder really very often we were like the park rats and you know we we trained in the pipe constantly we did a little bit of um you know pieced stuff I suppose but generally we didn't do that much free riding which a lot of people will bulk at because that's you know that's not what snowboarding is but, no would you know what um, I think I balked at the time because like obviously when you were living in Borg 
And it was like, I would see you, but never see you go snowboarding. I'd be like, why do you live in the middle of all this yeah. and never go snow? I, I mean, obviously I appreciated that you were on a different program, but I yeah. just think like, how can you, how can you switch this off just to do that? Like surely, yeah. but I guess you were so in that, 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 yeah. that just doing it for fun, maybe, or, you know, doing it as a recreation wasn't on your radar yeah. for a long time. I suppose so. And actually, you know, riding pipe every day for me, because I was competing was also fun because I mean, I loved riding. I loved half pipe. Um, and half pipe is so different to park. It's so different to, um, you know, free riding so different to just sort of it, 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 out of all of the disciplines, I think it's the most, um, defined, I guess. And it, it, it requires a lot of precision. I know, obviously, of course, safety and, uh, you know, effectiveness, everything does. Riding jumps is, you know, about being precise with speed and, you know, it's all about physics, isn't it? But pipe particularly, there's less room for manoeuvre. Oh, you pack um, a lot into a short space, don't you? And you have, everything yeah. has to be perfect. Exactly. And, you know, anytime you lose speed or you land a little bit flat, you're not in the right place on the transition or, you know, and it's even bigger now, isn't it? Which yeah. arguably apparently is easier <laughs> <laughs> compared to the dodgy pipes we used to ride with like small vert, big kink in the middle. Yeah, exactly. We half pipe for me, I loved half pipe. It was about just, you know, you could you could ride all day um uh, well i say all day probably you know three four hours and just repeat what you were practicing over and over again and i mean i know that sounds a bit like you know being a lab rat but it it allowed you to progress quite quickly and i guess it's focus you know that the the contest season was um was was long and was quite competitive i mean i suppose it's even more competitive now but there were a lot of people on tour we were the only yeah. two Brits, um and you know the rankings meant funding the rankings it, it was all around olympic qualification and, and rankings wasn't it let's face yeah. it for for funding and that wasn't necessarily what i was a massive fan of but it was the vehicle for me to snowboard yeah, I didn't absolutely. have, uh, you know, I didn't have uh, another income. You know, yeah, I didn't have sure. any form. I had some savings, but I didn't have any large pot of money to keep me snowboarding. So um, I relied on funding and results and, you know, and, and I quite like competition. Um, although I, I think I, I mentioned before about how much snowboarding teaches you as a, as a young person. I never, one, one of my oldest memories about that, and I, I use it still today in competition, and I, I'm very low-level competition, like with, with riding and things like that, but I still apply some of the things I learned. And I remember being in Avoriaz at a World Cup, and I was in third, and right. I think it would be the first time that a Brit had ever been on the podium for free, freestyle. Yeah. And when in, in the world cups i don't know if they do it now but they used to then they would play the national anthem and raise the flag oh really and i just had this inner meltdown i was like this has never happened before it just feels too weird and all i had to do for my final run was stand on my feet and i never <laughs> fell in competition i never fell in contest i was always the, the yeah. run i did was always 
a, a, a safe run, but you know, the, the best run I could do, but it was a safe run. I never would yeah. pull out pull out tricks that I'd not tried before or I wasn't sure of. Anyway, I dropped in and I just fell over. I literally dropped oh, in man. and sat down because of that pressure. Yeah. And it was so stupid, but it was such a, a such an important lesson to learn in life that counting your chicken chickens thing um yeah absolutely where you know until you've actually crossed the line until you've actually done what you set out to do don't think you're there because the weirdest stuff can happen um yeah, and it's mind. all mental isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. well talking about the competition though it still seems to be that it is still a community all the people you know like it's not like a, we've got to beat the austrians or something like that it's still everyone's stoked to see good snowboarding going down and everyone's kind of rooting in a sense for snowboarding as a whole to look good and to be presented well and the sort of you know there's not like oh you beat me and i'm now not going to speak to you for six months or you know this sort of standoff yeah, like rivalry the, that you get in the, other disciplines but the community absolutely is i never experienced anything but a positive kind of vibe and community in snowboarding it doesn't have and, and I don't know I mean which sports are like that are, are they are most other sports that competitive that they have that I mean um, I, d I don't know I mean it's only I mean as much as I sort of take an interest in other sports which isn't really a lot at all but yeah it always seemed that sort of snowboarding when you see people sort of coming to the bottom of their runs the other athletes are there and you know, and and, yeah. and and they're sort of Portland. it's it's like a gang of people rather than like this is this country, this is that country, and they're do you know what I mean? Just yeah. always, always, and maybe it's because I was just seeing it from a particular angle, but it always felt sort of more of a like it's still a community. Do you know what though? I think it's because snowboarding. There are a few sports like this, and weirdly, horse riding is one of them. Is it? The, these sports are a great leveler because you can be the best in the world, but it doesn't. The, the stakes are high. You know, it, it's not like golf, where you know halfway round you might break your neck. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or like literally, you think about when you have a crash on a snowboard. Yeah, you can have a bad crash. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time you get away with it, but not always. No, no, um, sure. I, I see snowboarding as a creative sport, as a creative outlet. It's People are, are much more creative and, I don't know, uh, it's weird actually, isn't it? it? It isn't a sport like any other, really. It's at, no. on the competitive, if you look at it at a competitive level, um, well, there's the a different approach. Yeah, required. well, the debate rages. That, well, I don't know if it rages. That might be sort of bigging it up a bit too much. But people certainly talk about whether it's a sport or a lifestyle or an art form. And I guess it's all of those things, isn't it? Depending on where you are. Yeah. And who you are and what your attitude to it is. Because, I mean, I can totally see it as an art form. I mean, I know lots of riders from back in the day who, you know, it wasn't, it was never about winning. And I always preferred that, actually, I would prefer to do something nice and clean and have respect from my peers as opposed to do something filthy, dirty and win. I would, weirdly, might sound strange, but I would rather do something textbook and be with good style and, you know, for whatever it was I was doing. And, you know, the levels now are mental. They're, they've, you know, they they have um charged ahead that snowboarding is very different from from 
what it was when when we were snowboarding like I look at what the girls are doing now and it's amazing it's um, incredible, isn't it? it is you know I follow I quite like to follow Anna Gasser um I mean, Mia's Mia obviously is brilliant um and I I love watching them and in in a small way one of the things I love about snowboarding like for everybody is that that level of, that same level of stoke that they feel you can feel as a as a beginner or an intermediate because as long as you whether you're going over a three meter table or a 20 meter table or a bigger you know a bigger jump or cliff whatever it is if you're pushing yourself to your max you get that same level of stoke the same buzz and that is what's addictive and that is what I love to try and get people to experience in snowboarding like if I go snowboarding with my friends you know whether they're on skis or a board if they've never been in a park before by the end of our week they're all in the park they're all riding the boxes and they get that stoke and it is something which everyone can have easily which once you have that you're never going to not snowboard ever again you know it, or you know you're not going to somehow you'll you'll figure out a way to to include snowboarding in, in your life i think once you felt that i i i really i really yeah i i believe it's kind of achievable for everybody as well which is the nice thing yeah. about snowboarding um you know what i mean don't you that i know exactly what you mean i'm just i'm just you pretty much kind of knocked off the two things that I was going to get to in that in that answer in that short oh, space of time so I was just <laughs> I wasn't kind of yeah um so yeah one of the things was like why should someone go or get back into snowboarding like if they miss you know kind of if it hasn't been if it was part of their life and isn't now why should they get back into it or or for that person that's thinking well it's a bit of an expensive holiday or you know, like, how do I do a se- I'd love to do a season, but how do I do one? Like, what, what's the reason to do it outside of what you just said? I mean, that, that I hadn't equated that level of how an Olympian feels when they land that run or land that trick to how you learn it linking your first turns. I hadn't really equated those two things yeah. together. And that's just kind of blown my mind a little bit. That the fact I it think is the they same feel feeling, the same. It feels the same because, you know, I know what it felt like when I was riding big jumps and when I'm what, like I'm 48 now and I will still go and hit the jumps. Now I can't hit the jumps that I used to hit. Well, I could, but I might not, you know, I don't know which way up, (laughs) I don't know which way up I'd I'd be on the landing. Um, But I still get that same feeling. Um, if I push myself and it might be, you know, I might just go off and do a little backside 180 or, you know, something easy and just doing, still just doing nice grabs and things like that. And it's the same feeling because you're pushing yourself to the same levels, aren't you? And as long as you push yourself to the same level, you will get that reward. And it's that which is addictive. I think once you've had a little taste of that, I think that's, you know, that's, the, the adrenaline i suppose um but no in terms of snowboarding I, I i completely get where you're coming from we've all as we get older we've all got responsibilities we've all got lives but and balancing those to not forget about yourself is really important i think because you think about all your responsibilities now you're not you know you're not just a dad you're not just you know the person at work you're still 
you're still Chris. And actually, it's really important that you look after yourself and you, you you nurture your needs, actually. And snowboarding is one way to do that. And if you have to balance it by going in spring so you can please everybody with the sunshine and the mountain biking, the what hiking, whatever it is, do it. Or when I was snowboarding, I kept all of my um, magazine cuttings, all of my flight tickets, all of my lift passes, all of my accreditations, all of my bibs. And I've got them all. And for years, I've been meaning to put them into a book, into a coffee table book, just for my, you know, for myself. Um, and I started work on it probably about two weeks ago. Oh, really? And weirdly, I never thought it was important when I was younger and I'd just come out of snowboarding. But now, you know, 30 years on, I actually would love to have it. Um, and I've got all of the postcards that I used to send. I sent my mum a postcard from every place I went. And I've got some weird, weird notes on these postcards. Hilarious. <laughs> and the, the, the language and things is hilarious. Um, just very, very funny language. There's a lot of use of the word rad. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, do you not use that word very much anymore i don't you know to be I've honest stopped, i have stopped using that because the thing is my my husband he's got three grown-up children and i think they look at me like i'm a weirdo if i used a word like isn't that odd yeah. <laughs> so yeah i have to be a bit careful i have to be a grown-up now have to be a grown -up. there we go so there you go thank you to melanie for sharing a bit of time with us she was about to get a flight shortly after this conversation so there were places that we didn't go that we might have done but um she was really kind with her time and it was great to catch up with an old friend as well so yeah shout out to you melanie hope to go shredding with you soon that tsa team week at the end of or sometime in april that looks very very appealing right now so yeah, this is the second episode. Um, the first episode with Ed Lee has, the feedback's been brilliant. I've been so, so, so pleased with how everybody has been giving me shout outs, basically. Um, I don't take it for granted that this was a great idea and to actually hear people come back to me and say what a great thing it is has been a really nice thing. I obviously came up with this idea and thought it'd be a really great thing to do to sort of capture this history, talk to people, find out what is motivating them to snowboard these days and hopefully in turn motivate you to go snowboarding. Um, and and it seems to be doing just that. So, yeah, really, really pleased. Um, if you do want to get in touch, it's thankyousnowboarding at gmail.com. Any thoughts, any memories, anything you'd like to share with the community, basically. It's a bit of an open forum. Um, send us an email, write about whatever you want that's got something to do with snowboarding. And uh, the best one every week, we'll read it out. Um, funnily enough, through that, uh, a guy called Graham Chalmers got in touch. And turns out he's had quite a quite a history in snowboarding so he we're going to get him actually going to get him on as a guest soon which is really quite exciting i think we're going to get some really interesting stories from him so yeah if you want to get in touch thank you snowboarding at gmail.com also something else we've just put up a youtube channel and the first few things on it we've got uh chaos the movie which is from 1991 
um, an early British snowboard flick that features Mark Webster, Simon Smith, Darren Williamson, some BMXing, bit a little bit of skateboarding, bit of skiing even. And uh, it was certainly something that I watched over and over again. It also features Jeremy Sladen doing um, doing some rapping. So yeah, shout out to Jeremy Sladen, and obviously a shout out to the TSA, the Snowboard Asylum. And all the guys there for supporting this podcast, it is much appreciated and it's great to be working with friends, basically, to try and spread the word of snowboarding around. So yeah, big up the TSA. And uh, yeah, also on the YouTube channel, we've got two movies made by Tom and John Eldridge, which kind of precursored the... Is precursored the right word? I'm not entirely sure it is. Um, predated the uh, lockdown projects. I think they were the kind of jump off point for lockdown projects. Uh, They're called The Invasion and The Sequel. And my brother turned up the other day with a box full of memorabilia and had an unopened copy of The Invasion on VHS. So we got them digitised, spoke to John Eldridge, said, do you mind if we put them up? And he's obviously happy to do so. So they're up on the YouTube channel. You can find it at Thank You Snowboarding. We're going to try and sort of put other stuff on there. We've got some other old shred movies that we'll rip and put up and hopefully link to other things. And that'll be a nice thing, just like a little collection of good memories. Uh, What else? Uh, I watched a really interesting thing on, I think it's Disney+. Plus. Um, Ed last week was talking about a TV show called High Five and I certainly know that I used to watch that on a Saturday morning. It was like the only place you could find any kind of action sports. And Ed mentioned it and me and my brother Dave used to watch it as well. We recorded it and watched it over and over and each week they would concentrate on a different action sport. And the BMX in one was centred around a guy called Matt Hoffman. And there's a new documentary... Well, I'm not entirely sure it's new, but it's I think it's new on Disney Plus uh, about Matt Hoffman and his well, journey through mental BMXing. And I know it's not snowboarding and I know it's not UK based, but certainly if you want to watch someone who pushed the limits of their own sport and pretty much destroyed himself in the process, uh, it's quite an interesting watch. Um, yeah, it's pretty mental. But also quite inspiring. I quite liked him. I've always sort of had a bit of a soft spot for Matt Hoffman. I think although he was clearly a lunatic, he sort of always asked the question of like, why not? Why shouldn't I do that? And I think that's quite an inspiring thing. So yeah, check that out. Uh, What else? Oh, the song at the beginning of this episode is Teddy Bear's uh, track called Yours to Keep, which is from the movie After Lame. Uh, After Lane was put together by a production company called Robot Food, which was a load of the old riders who rode for rode for standard movies, were in all those kind of films, sort of TB7, TB8, and then they left to do their own productions and came up with the films After Bang, Lame, and then After Lame. And it's After Lame's the one for me. It's the movie that really encompasses all that's great about snowboarding and there's a shot at the end of Hampus Moseson blasting through some trees and pulling a method and if I could do one thing on a snowboard and get it filmed is to do something like that to have that style to pull that trick and just to kind of 
ride away and just be like, this is this is snowboarding. It would be that. So uh, there will be a link to the movie After Lame. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend you watch it. I mean, it's, what, I don't know, 15 years old now. But it really sort of sums up snowboarding. And I don't think much has changed. It's stayed quite timeless. Um, still, some of the riding is still kind of next level and stylish and it's got a great lineup of riders and it's well worth a watch if you've never seen it or if you haven't seen it for a long time then go check that out um i think that's about it for this time yeah um just thank you for listening right to the end i hope you're doing well if you want to get in touch with a show thank you snowboarding at gmail.com snow is falling across the alps fingers crossed it stays yeah it's all good times really and i really hope you're enjoying the podcast and i hope you'll come back next week when we chat with Stuart duncan who turns out i didn't know this but turns out to be a proper pioneer he was one of the first people to ever have a snowboard in this country when i say this country he's actually scottish and i don't want to offend any scottish listeners But yeah, um, a really interesting chat with him. Loads of stuff that I didn't know about. And uh, so, yeah, it's a cool one. So I hope you've enjoyed this week and I hope you'll enjoy us. Hope you will join us again next week. So until then, cheers. And uh, obviously, thank you, snowboarding.